Hello, my name is Adam Eason. Welcome to episode 114 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hypnosis friends and a very warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. We're back after a couple of weeks off. Uh, Once again, in my own highly biased opinion, I think I have a diverse, inclusive and stimulating show lined up for you today. In a short while, I'm going to be sharing with you this week's interview with my guest, Zaina Ratti. Then, in place of our usual hypnosis in the news section, I'll be talking about a topic close to my heart in the centre of this episode. I'm going to be talking all things geek. I will then return with our professional discussion with my guest, Zaina Ratti. We'll be talking about affirmative therapy. And we'll round things off with this week's hypnosis evidence-based factoid before I bid you farewell for another week. As I say at the beginning of every Hypnosis Weekly episode, this podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis and encouraging for friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as most of our guests and at times have major differences in approach and leaning, but all are incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the pub and all of whom following their time here on Hypnosis Weekly. I have a great deal of respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback, do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website. All the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted in the episode notes section at iTunes and on each episode's page on the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. You can add your thoughts, comments and make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else to help us reach more of the hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. If you enjoy this podcast, then do go give us a favourable rating, even a review at iTunes. I'll be a BFF if you do. It takes just a few seconds, just a couple of clicks to give us a favourable rating. Uh, So please do. Um... So first up today is this week's interview with Zaina Ratti. Now Zaina and I had communicated briefly as a result of her being a speaker at the upcoming UK Hypnosis Convention and and rather opportunistically I thought she'd make an excellent guest for this show and so I invited her on. Um, As well as being a highly qualified hypnotherapist and psychotherapist, she is a diversity trainer and consultant. She works with the Stonewall organisation. She is Oxford Pride Community Liaison Officer. Uh, She's founder of the Queer POC Therapist Network. And as you're going to find out, she's also a mother of five. So I have no idea how on earth she managed to find time to appear on this podcast. But I am delighted she did. Um, And I'm sure you will be too. Um, um, So let's get on with it, shall we? For now, get comfy, my friends. Turn up the volume, sip on your tea. Enjoy this week's interview. So as I've just been discussing, I am delighted to welcome the one and the only Zaina Ratti to Hypnosis Weekly. Zaina, welcome. Good morning, Adam. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm wonderful, you know, and, and, and um, I was just saying 
that, 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 you know, off air, I was saying, you know, you are real, which is which is wonderful for me, because I think this is, you know, this is the first time we've spoken, yet we've had lots of communication online, and it's very nice to to make contact with the real person. And um, um, let's learn a little bit about you, first of all. Um, tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us, you know, how did you get into this field and how have you arrived at where you are at now? Yeah, well, it was... Um... I only started training in my 30s, so um, I had done other things before that. I had worked in the NHS. Um, I'd actually been landlady of a pub, um, which is kind of like therapy right. anyway. <laughs> yeah, some um, diversity here. <laughs> and um, I had had therapy previously um, in my 20s and had seen how it works. Yeah. Um and I was extremely interested in how the brain works, how people work stuff out. And I was kind of looking for a new challenge. I love studying. And so I looked at just doing hypnosis on its own as a qualification. Um, you know, there's so much of the brain that isn't explored that we don't know anything about. Um, and what I wanted to do was kind of cross that with something else so i happened just by looking for stuff to find a qualification in hypnopsychotherapy yeah so and it basically meant that the psychotherapeutic part of it you could do kind of deeper work and then you've got the hypnosis part of it so both of them work really well together yeah um so i started to do that and i had a baby in the middle of my training. Right. As you do. Yeah, um, yeah. So, <laughs> so I've, I've, I've got five children and um, the youngest, the, the eldest is 24 and the youngest is three. Um, Flipping heck. You know what, <laughs> you, you know what, you know, I, 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 I say, um, I, I, I say anyone that I encounter with, 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 more than two children i think that that they needed to be they need to be mentally examined um absolutely I, I, you know i i think that anyone with more than two children are, are, are just crazy we're we're crazy in love with with our babies yeah well said um so i've got well i've got a grandson as well actually who is four and so had a baby kind of took some time out um still kind of kept within the college with it within which I trained and kept in touch with people um and then now he you know now he's getting older and he goes to school part-time yeah. um just kind of getting back into everything yeah. um the kind of POC BAME GSRD stuff yeah. yeah is is just something that kind of came to me um, I didn't kind of think, oh, well, what would be a, a good area to specialise in? It was an area that I felt passionate about. Um, I'm chair of a, an LGBT mental health charity called Oxford Friend. Yeah. Um, so it was just these kind of all these intersections of my life have all kind of met at a point. Um, and and that's how I kind of find find my way here. I have yeah, the yeah. ability to do a, a really interesting, diverse range of, of of topics. So yesterday I ran a, a workshop at a university on 
um, exclusionary self-care and how we should have self-compassion rather than self-care. Yeah. Um, so I get to do really fun things like that. I get to do kind of um, promotion of mental health within the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm I hashtag living the dream. I don't <laughs> you, you know, it's it's a really impressive bio. You know, you know, when I look at your, you know, when I was preparing for this, for this recording, you know, there was, there was part of me thinking, you know, you, you know, flipping heck, there's a, there's a lot that, that yes. this, that this woman is involved in. And, and now you've just told me on top of that, you have five children. Um, um, you know, wow, wow. wow I, I'm awesome. Also, I, and I, I love to hear that. Um, I love to hear that stuff. Um, so, so I'm, I'm just going to kind of shift our focus a little bit onto yeah. the subject of hypnosis. I know we're going to, we're going to really explore um, um, th these areas that you've just been talking about uh, um, later on in the show. And I'm really excited about that because it's, it's not really something that we've covered in any depth here on this podcast. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to, 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 to learning a great deal myself as well. But mm -hmm. with regards to hypnosis, tell me a little bit where you're at with that. You, you know, how do you define hypnosis or how do you explain it to people? Um, um, how did you arrive at that, you know, the definition? And is, is there a difference in the way you, you, that you explain it to clients or, or the way in which you explain it to, to the people that, that, that corner you in a kitchen at parties? <laughs> yeah, we all, we all have that, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we've all been that guy. therapist. I, <laughs> I just, yeah. Um, doctors have it a lot with, I don't know, boils and moles, don't they? Yeah. I um, hypnosis, when I, when I started, the, the first component of the NCHP course is hypnosis so that's the bit you do first and you know I don't know whether it comes from making up stories for my kids or where it is but I'm really quite good at um, creating imagery um, and and I have had over the last sort of six years a kind of a, a love almost a love-hate relationship with hypnosis yeah so I have these times when I absolutely love it and I do it all the time. And then I have times where I don't do it. Yeah. Um, and then I do it again and I think, oh yeah, I actually really dig this. Um, I should <laughs> do more of this. Um, most of the clients I get, the hypnosis that I use with them is around guided visualization, around relaxation, um, sleep, just about kind of taking a real holistic stance to their mental health sure um and looking at everything yeah and not just one specific this is the issue and you know and we all know that quite often a presenting issue isn't necessarily the issue anyway no sure um where my hypnosis kind of comes more to the fore is you know i did some I did an exercise yesterday with the with the workshop about a finger holding technique mm. um, and just and a breathing technique. And it's kind of my hypnosis and my use of hypnosis has morphed over the years into lots of different things in lots of different areas. Yeah. Um, I you know, when people go when I go, I'm a hypnopsychotherapist, people always go, what's that? Sure. Closely followed by, oh, I won't look you in the eyes. Um, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. And then at the end of the conversation, 
something akin i don't know whether they think i've got one of those men in black you know memory eraser things <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I i would love one of those by the way i i know I if know. only um particularly if you've just you know eaten a really big meal in a restaurant and then you could just <laughs> um so for me it's about going okay so have you ever and really kind of transporting hypnosis into their everyday life so have you ever watched a film and you've got to the end of the film and you couldn't remember the middle bit yeah and you know and most people go yeah or have you ever um been on a journey and got to the end and haven't necessarily been aware of the journey itself absolutely yeah. we're on a train we're a million miles away we're reading a book we're listening to music and and so i say well hypnosis is a bit like that you have the ability and our brain has the ability all day every day to kind of just zone out and in that zoning out and in that silence or what we think is silence there's process mm. and and that's what hypnosis is hypnosis is you do, you're doing the work it's just the sound of my voice and thinking about kind of when I first started to do hypnosis I did when we're kind of practicing on each other and and, and as a demonstration of quite how powerful it is as a tool um, I kind of say oh you know one of our things was about um, demonstrating that actually it's really powerful and and therefore has the power to adapt how you think about yourself and how you think about everyone else um and and i got one of one of the the kind of things and i use this for lots and lots of clients actually is i use a metronome and and i kind of say to people so you know have you ever uh, do you have a metronome you can get the app for free on various different smartphones yeah and and I go, I want you to go and get this metronome and I want you to think about the rhythm because my rhythm, the rhythm of my voice changes when I'm doing hypnosis. And it almost, I've been told it kind of goes a bit singy, like very with a, with a kind of a melody to it. Yeah. Um, and I don't think, I went to stage school when I was younger and I don't sing... <laughs> I don't do, you know, no amount of alcohol will even get me doing karaoke. Um, but when I'm, when I'm doing hypnosis, the tone and the rhythm of my voice changes. And that's one of those things that I kind of encourage my clients to look into for themselves. Think about how the tone of how you're breathing, your shoulders being relaxed, and how you can use that in your everyday life. Mm. We, we don't slow down you know no, no. all the time and just having those few minutes to yourself whether you are doing some self-hypnosis or whether you are you're having a, a, a kind of a therapeutic intervention with a hypnotherapist it's those moments and those that commitment to self-compassion that is really important yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, you know i was kind of going back through some of my old notes and some of my old handbooks um, to kind of think about my kind of influences and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, this is all really good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we should kind of just periodically just go, yeah, let's look back at those notes. And some of my, you know, some of my early notes are just like cringeworthy, aren't they? Yeah. But 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, that that that, that kind of nicely leads me into um, 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 the next question, really, and that is, you know, who, who are some of your major influences in this field? You know, are, are, are there certain books, certain authors, certain teachers that have taught you the most or been the most influential upon you? Perhaps you talk a little bit about why. Mm. Yeah, it, it's the. Well, I was, and and my, actually, my office my office floor is is has got piles of books on it that I kind of got some books out and been like okay so there's all these people and and the biggest influence on me was my tutor and my supervisor and the them giving me the ability to have confidence in myself sure so you know books are great and you know, obviously you have your kind of re required reading list and you go through the history. So we do essays on uh, Mesmer and et cetera. Um, and I'm kind of looking through it and going, they're all, they've all, they're all the healing wounded. And mm -hmm. those are, those are the people that when I talk about being a therapist and I talk about having had therapy previous to even beginning to train. So there's, you know, there's a compulsory component with the UKCP of, of personal therapy. Um, but because I had therapy prior to that, um, you know, I had quite a bit. And sure, so sure. my influences not only come from every therapist I've ever been to, but also from every tutor I've ever had. So, and the people I surround myself with now are inspirational and amazing. And they're doing it in a context that is up to date and is going forward. Um, and that's probably the the kind of the the bit that came to mind most when I was looking through my notes about different people and going, yeah, this is all great. But it's so the kind of but, but, the future. Sure, sure. But 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 it's kind of the the the, the people in your in your immediate environment that have, that have continued to. To, to, to influence you and have a profound effect upon you and 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 almost uh you know a sense of your own your own self influencing your progress yes absolutely you know yeah. we all we all use you know rogers and skinner and balby and um for a while i used a lot of maslow and sullivan and uh but that's that's kind of that's component yeah definitely of who you are yeah. but you bring so much of yourself to the table and being able to have people behind me that have said you can do this yeah that's sure. probably been the most important part yeah good can, good you know we can look in hammonds and we can look up interventions or we can get you know um scripts and adapt them and but at the end of the day, those words are coming out of your mouth and they're coming from your intersectional prism. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I get that. I get that. So so tell me, so, you know, throughout the time that you've been working, throughout the time that you've been working, throughout the time that you've been using hypnosis, what, what's one of the most impressive applications of hypnosis that you've directly witnessed? Um, 
there's probably stuff other people do to be fair um yeah. that yeah. i've seen and gone oh wow yeah that's great um and you know um people like james brown um who he, he's going to be like cockahoot that i mentioned his name um yeah i might have to edit this out yeah, yeah totally <laughs> um <laughs> but it's those it's those people that I see and and that's what brings me back to hypnosis and brings me back to the love of doing it. And that kind of what we talk about these kind of um, Joe Court talks about these six stages of coming out, which obviously we'll be going into later. Um, and it's about that identity synthesis. It's about aligning yourself and having that ability in your own head through the use of somebody else's words to be able to do that. Mm. That ability to own who you are is right. yeah. so valuable. Yeah, 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 I get that, I get that. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm given, given some of that, given um, the kind of journey that, that, that you yourself have been on, um, if you could go back to when you started out you know, um, I'm, I'm as a as a therapist, or even as a hypnotherapist, you know, knowing knowing the stuff that you know now, is there anything that you would do differently? And if so, what is there any advice that the person you are today would give that younger you that you're happy to to share with our listeners? Mm. It it would be that passion is one of the most important things, and people people can see passion a mile off. And so, if you have passion for it, then just let that lead don't worry about modalities because I was really kind of preoccupied with so what box do I fit in here um and actually now I'm my own box and I'm quite happy to do that um whereas previously I wasn't yeah I wasn't necessarily overly confident in my own abilities or even my own and I still have it now I still have huge imposter syndrome um, which kind of keeps me safely humble, which is pretty cool. But I, and and I kind of, and I do, I do disclose that when I'm kind of giving workshops and stuff, yeah. going, yeah. look, every therapist is not sorted. If a therapist tells you they're sorted, they don't know enough about themselves. Mm. Yeah. Because we're all on a journey. Yeah, you know, for sure. I, you know, I, I bring a whole bunch of, uh, uh, you know, shadows, shadows with me wherever I go, you know, and, and, and spend, spend, you know, a large part of my life still, still managing to maintain a, 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 a balance on the tail end of some of those things. Mm. Yeah, we're all still working through stuff. And that, that's mm. why, you know, I kind of used, I used to use Maslow's quite a bit. And I did a uh, a piece for Diva magazine last year and I used Maslow and and that kind of to demonstrate that we're all on here somewhere we're all in this together and that's kind of a, a kind of a, a client-centered approach yeah in yeah. that we're both here we're it's about building that rapport within that rapport and being authentic to yourself you are facilitating that client to do the same thing. Mm. Mm. Nice. 
Nice, I like that. I think I'm going to use uh, as a strap line for this episode this idea of be your own box. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Creating, you know, I, I, I became my own box. I loved it. I, lo I loved you saying that. Um, um, we're going to really get into some of these some of these specialist areas that you've been uh, working in in a short while. Um, and for now, Zaina, where, where can people go to learn more about you, your work, your approach, and so on? Um, so I am. Um... My friends affectionately call me the woman with all the jobs, um, <laughs> which is like, but they all they all kind of they all have an intersection to each other. So it's my website. I kind of get around and I do talks. I love going to conferences. I love being within, kind of being with like-minded people. I love getting out there. I've done like I did like a comedy routine. Um, last year which i really enjoyed so so yeah i i'm about there is there is my website you can email me um and the, the website is zrtherapy.co.uk right it is yes yeah. yeah i am working on a new one that is kind of a work in progress um as all these things are when it kind of slips down to the bottom of the post-it note pile isn't it <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah things i need that. to do this week yeah um yeah. So, so yeah, at the moment it's at www.zrtherapy.co.uk. Um, I've got a couple of email addresses that you can get me on, uh, Zaina at therapist.net and, uh, zrtherapy at outlook.com. Great, great, great. And, and we will have links to, uh, those sites, to those emails over at this episode's page of the hypnosis uh, weekly website and also, um, um within the, the episode notes at iTunes and so on. Now, uh, uh, stay tuned. We're going to be back with Zaina um, in a couple of minutes' time. I really enjoyed that. Uh, more from Zaina shortly. Um, next up, in place of our usual hypnosis and news section, I want to talk about being a geek. Um, because... I, I go on enough about it. Um, I'm everywhere else within my work. Um, um, and, and th this summer, this summer, I will be speaking at uh, two big hypnosis conferences. Um, one, one here in the UK uh, and uh, the other in the US, uh, both for major hypnotherapy organisations, the NCH here in the UK, the NGH uh, over in the US. You know, if you're based in the US and have ever wanted to study with me, go find my workshop at the NGH uh, convention and enroll. Uh, I've not been there for over a decade, the US, uh, to teach, and I may not be back in a while, so do take that opportunity. Anyway, I'm bringing the hypnosis geek theme with me, and, and it may ruffle some feathers too, and I'll explain why at the end. Um, if I were to take some of the kind of official dictionary definition of, of, of geek and just tweak it a little bit to contextualise this, um, I'm, I'm a, a hypnosis geek. You know, I'm talking about someone who is um, a knowledgeable and an obsessive enthusiast, you know, a bit like a computer geek. We're talking about a hip hypnosis geek here. Um, um, and this is someone who will engage in or discuss hypnosis related tasks obsessively or with great attention to technical and theoretical detail. Um, 
um, um, or, or, or be or become extremely excited or enthusiastic about their subject. Um, um, you know, typically uh, the, the, a subject like hypnosis that's one of specialist or minority interest. Um, you know, oh, my, you know, I, I have been known to say, you know, I, I'm totally geeking out over this meta-analysis detailing the efficacy of hypnosis as a means of treating dyslexia, for example. Um, and, and, you know, I, I like hypnosis geeks. I have a lot of love for them and I consider myself to be one. I'm, I'm incredibly technical and derive great joy from the theoretical and academic debate of my subject. Um, I lecture on the detailed workings of hypnosis. I've written very evidence-based books and had um, um, you know, academic papers published on the subject um, um, and, and, and enjoy the research supporting this field. Um, um, but importantly, you know, I get excited about that stuff. I love what can be done with hypnosis. And I, I think that uh, qualifies me to be a self-monikered uh, hypnosis geek. Um, um, but, you know, what, what, what am I talking about here? You know, I, I think I think geek is is a bit of a subculture, which is growing more and more prevalent in contemporary society, you know, kind of previously bullied and marginalized. Um, um, but but thanks to shows like, you know, the Big Bang Theory, Doctor Who, and, well, heck, you know, sci-fi, TV and films in general, and a change in public perception of a number of qualities that are now considered much more desirable in an individual. Being a geek is finally becoming cool, you know. Um, um, uh, though, you know, that... They're also cool because they're not bothered about being cool. You know, you try being a, big, a geek just to be cool and you end up, you know, becoming a hipster, uh, whether that's cool or not. You know, I'm as far as you're concerned, you know, whether you like 12 foot long beards, wearing woolly hats during the height of summer, wearing skinny jeans and lumberjack shirts or not. That's not really my top topic here today. Being a geek, according to research by Imgur, is actually cool in today's world, especially among millennials. In fact, 60% of the 83 million millennials consider themselves geeks compared to just 38% of Gen Xers and Boomers. And, you know, the, the, the same study that I'm quoting here also shows that geeks are the trendsetters and influencers. You know, 84% of geeks say people look to them for advice, while only 60% of non-geeks say that they get asked for advice. Um, although some places haven't quite embraced geeks and geek culture like others have, it, it, it's kind of changing a little bit currently. Um, but more than that, it's also welcome news for all of us who geek out about our own work you know, passionately probing to innovate, improve, dissect and lead others to the discovery of their best selves. Um, one of my favourite quotes is by the actor, writer and comedian Simon Pegg. And he says this, being a geek is all about being honest about what you enjoy and not being afraid to demonstrate that affection. It means never having to play it cool about how much you like something. It's basically a license to proudly emote on a somewhat childish level rather than behave like a supposed adult. Being a geek is extremely liberating. I love that. You know, being a geek is not something to be ashamed of. It's something to be proud of and most definitely an awesome way to be. And, and you know, I wanted to, to talk about a couple of reasons um, 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 that, that, that it is so good for you uh, before I then sort of start getting into 
the hypnosis geek stuff, you know. Um, the geek brain, you know, it has an innate ability to focus intentionally. You know? So some people may call it obsessive, but when geeks put their minds to a task or a subject, they're able to focus on it like no other group of people. It's a reason geeks can plow through 20 academic papers in a single setting, you know. Heck, that's me. They can burn through an entire box set of Breaking Bad in a weekend. Uh, the, the, the reason they keep having to increase the maximum character level cap in World of Warcraft. And one of the reasons that top tech companies are looking for these guys. Imagine if someone could bring that level of laser-like focus to the work that needs to be done. And think about how quickly and efficiently any particular project can be completed. And geeks... Uh, tend to be defined by their enthusiasm for things, you know. John Burnside said, you know, they're enthusiasts. Not having a life means you get to love things with a passion and nobody bothers you about it. Another quote I love. In general, geeks are inherently enthusiastic about the things they like or enjoy. Um, you know, the, the, if you've ever been in a training of mine and heard the way that I talk about the TV show Red Dwarf, then you know that sci-fi geekery is another facet of my own. But a geek is also surprisingly resilient for some, you know, it, it may derive from having fun poked at them or being teased about the things they love. But geeks tend to be incredibly resilient and able to bounce back from pretty much anything. And that's why they make such good community moderators, able to take the kind of ridiculous abuse of Internet comment commenters um, I mean, laugh about how ridiculous it is, rather than descending into a depressive shame spiral and being unable to do anything for the rest of the day. I think resilience is part and parcel of being a geek. And if you just think about the geek mind palaces and what vast and uh, how full of knowledge they are, you know, um, and I'm guessing that perhaps a lot of the knowledge that fills uh, the minds of geeks might be largely useless. Uh, pop culture references like the term mind palace itself. But along with the, the focus that allows them to concentrate on things like technical detail, academia, video games and comic books comes a certain sponge like quality to these brains. Once they see something a few times, they can commit to it uh, uh, and so on. When you love a subject, you know, when you have repeated, consistent devotion to it, it's so much easier to retain and recall that information. Importantly, you know, geeks are innovators. Um, um, you know, have you heard about the latest social networking site or the latest in wearable technology, the new iOS update? No? Well, you know, you would have heard about it if you were a geek, because geeks love technology, they love sharing news and information about it. Follow a geek on Twitter and you'll know all the stuff of their field weeks before you would have done otherwise. Geeks are usually the ones that have created a lot of the latest innovations. Um, you know, find a geek of that field, follow them closely, without stalking them, obviously. But geeks advocate for the outsiders and the uncool, you know, and side with the underdogs or the oppressed and sort of accustomed to being looked upon in, in unusual ways. Um, but the geek focuses on people's strengths and skills and not necessarily their influence. In the hypnosis field, hypnotherapists should be looking at and learning from academics, neuroscientists, researchers and credible sources of education to further their own career, their own knowledge and skills. Yet the masses tend to opt for following those who make the most noise or have the loudest marketing message. 
Being a geek used to draw up images of social misfits, awkward conversations and less than attractive personalities. But that's not the case anymore. Geeks have become global trendsetters, influencers. You know, it's a welcome message, long awaited for many of us. And it's a club we're not ashamed to belong to. Because if you focus your inner geek on the areas that I'm kind of talking about, or the area that, that, that you're really into, success can't be that far behind. So the lectures that I'll be giving at conventions and conferences later in in the year, um, and they all have something in common, and they're driven by me having my kind of hypnosis geek, Jerry Maguire type of thought processes and moments. When I was reminded of an old Apple commercial whereby Steve Jobs said the following, and I'll read this quote. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify them or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. I love that. Um, and it you know, struck a chord with me deeply. So I started to lay out my vision within, within, within a kind of manifesto that, that fuels much of what people can expect from me at at conferences this summer um, um, um and that is that 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 i recorded and put together a hypnosis geek manifesto um and, and it just kind of spoke about a hypnosis geek being a brand or a new brand of hypnotherapist and hypnosis professional who value evidence base and are familiar with it seek to advance their knowledge in a way that enhances the results that their clients experience that hypnosis geeks are critical thinkers, healthy skeptics, and they, they question what they are told and seek to understand more deeply. Hypnosis geeks never being shackled to a singular model just because that's how they were taught. Hypnosis geeks know both sides to any argument, debate and philosophy and understand the critique of their own leanings. Hypnosis geeks refuse to perpetuate myth and misconception and they stand tall when challenging received wisdom if it's flawed. You know, know your own bias, know your own process, know your subject, pursue intellectual excellence, be erudite. Let knowledge inform your practical skills. Love the field, love doing the work, love those that you work with. Be credible, be professional, be separate from those who are not so. Hypnosis geeks serve the public. Hypnosis geeks serve the hypnosis profession and seek, seek to, to develop it by their very conduct. Hypnosis geeks put ethics before profits and publicity. And you know what? Hypnosis geeks are changing the face and the deeper workings of the hypnotherapy field. Hypnosis geeks are thusly changing the world. Um, there's a link to each of the conference events that I'm speaking at this summer over at this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. Um, 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 come, come get on board. Uh, next up this week, we have our professional discussion. I welcome back Zaina Ratti. And we're talking on a subject that Zaina specialises in, that of affirmative therapy. So let's find out what that's all about, shall we? Here is this week's professional discussion with Zaina Ratti. Enjoy.
So I'm joined uh, with this week's guest again, uh, Zaina Ratti, and today we're going to be talking all things affirmative therapy. Um, um, Zaina, welcome back. Um, um, first of all, for, for, for anybody listening that is that is unaware um, 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 or, 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 or less informed than perhaps they would like to be, could you just could you just explain to us what are we talking about when we when we when we use this term affirmative therapy? Well. Uh, to me, when I use the term affirmative therapy, it means that it's a, it's a type of therapy that is more suited and more accepting of people who might find traditional therapy not so great for them. They've had issues with maybe going to a therapist and they've um, spoken about a, a, a facet of their lifestyle or their sexuality or gender presentation and that has meant that maybe that maybe that therapist isn't for them now every therapist you know we're all different and not every therapist is right for every client and I totally go with that Um, whereas the affirmative part of this is spent kind of with clients who might sit outside of these normative lifestyles. So a term that I use, term that most people will be familiar with is LGBTQIA+, which itself is a really long acronym. Um, And if you have, you know, if you look at your training and if you're not familiar with this acronym and what it stands for even, and you have a client come to you and they go, okay, so this is going on in my life. For us, we kind of run through this kind of Rolodex, show me age, um, <laughs> in our brains and going, okay, so so let's think about interventions. Let's think about where, where, where can we, where's the journey gonna go with this? And sometimes there's facets of sexuality, gender and relationship diversity that if they're not in your Rolodex, you're not going to be able to access that information. Yeah. Um, so commonly, the, it's the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer or questioning. So the Q stands for two things, intersex and asexual. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were going and, and I mentioned asexual and I said, you know, it's, it's the, you know, could be described as the absence of sexual attraction to anyone. Yeah. And somebody kind of went, oh, hang on. I think I may have had a client that might be asexual, but I didn't know asexual existed. So it was something that we couldn't investigate together. And and that's what, that's what I mean by affirmative, in yeah. that I work towards the acceptance and I celebrate and, and kind of accept all those identities and can work with the client towards those identities because I have that page in my Rolodex. Um, I do work with a, a company called Pink Therapy who, who are amazing and I, I've chaired their race and ethnicity panel at their last conference, which was about intersectionality. And... 
they kind of run training courses and awareness courses for therapists on GSRD. Now, GSRD stands for Gender, Sexuality and Relationship Diversity. Yeah. So it's anything that doesn't fit the societal norm. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you know, one of the things that um, um, that, that I, I really like this 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 kind of metaphor that you've used a couple of times there about, about having 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 you know some reference to this on, on your own rolodex because yeah. because typically typically you, you know t- training is of a a particular kind and then people with 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 a pre-existing knowledge. Um, or understanding of this, perhaps through through the, their own personal experience or their own personal identity, um, 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 have been have been people that are able to to to, to sort of uh, uh, you know doctor what they do or or advance it in some way mm. to, to to have that knowledge and, and apply their own personal knowledge to this because there's the, you know it is it, typically not not addressed you know I, I, and I say that with with my own ignorance at the forefront of my mind yeah and it's you know it's about encouraging people to have the intellectual humility to go actually I didn't know about that but it would be really useful to know about that yeah 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 so so you know um, um, t- tell me tell me how your interest developed in that area you know I'm, I'm, I'm sort of now that we're getting an understanding of, of what we're talking about how, how did your interest develop in that area well, I um, I identify as bisexual, and um, when I began looking at this sort of stuff, it's as a as a bisexual female, I'm five times more likely to develop an eating disorder, for instance, right. than than a lesbian. Yeah, um, I am, you know, more likely to be depressed, to suffer psychological distress, to, and and so there's a whole area of mental health that hasn't necessarily been that well addressed yet. Um, and that's because it has this intersection, intersectionality with your gender and your sexuality. Um, I was happened to be in Oxford at the same time that Oxford Pride was on, and I went along and there was a charity that ran a mental health helpline. Yeah. And I went and started volunteering on the helpline. Um I'm now chair of that charity and, and very proud to be so. Yeah. Um, and so as I began to look more and more into it and I began to do more and more writing about it and reading about it and about this kind of almost levels of mental wellness. And a large part of that is around concealment. So if you're concealing those parts of yourself and we're going back, you know, to what we were talking about earlier about being authentic to yourself. Yeah. Um, then that's that that's where a lot of distress can lie. Mm. Uh, so I began to get and to attract clients um, that that specifically wanted to come and know that what I provided is a safe space. And that's really important to yeah. the SRD community because there are still spaces that aren't safe. There are still methodologies going around that want to cure people of sexuality yeah. and diversity that, you know, th- there are some kind of moves forward to get conversion therapy, for instance, banned. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it still exists. And in the very same way you could think about 
um, I started to look at uh, sex addiction um, and how the, the kind of the models of sex addiction assessment might not necessarily take into consideration these diverse sexual um, landscape that we have nowadays. Um, and I discovered somebody called Galen Foose, who um, is somebody that I look up to and I read a lot. And I actually am I'm fortunate enough to be in contact with them. Um, and they designed something called sexual authenticity disorder. Um, and that is a way of evaluating somebody's kind of impulse control around sex and sexual activity and having that not within the constraints of saying you are a sex addict. Um, a large part of a lot of questions I get asked about is labeling. And, you know, as human beings, we have these, you know, two distinct needs. We, we want to belong. So, so that's why we want to, we want to have a label, but we also feel that we want to be distinct. Right. And that cognitive and emotional dissonance that can be created just, just by living your life, um, is huge. Let alone having all this other stuff come on top. Um, so my, you know, I do, I, I run workshops and training and I'm the, um, I, I run a support group for Oxford University, um, based around LGBTQIA+. Um, and also just kind of looking at going into the area of doing some work around, uh, substance and alcohol misuse. Right. Um, so, so this kind of goes into all areas of everybody's lives. Yeah. Yet it's kind of seen as taboo we don't talk about what it is to have a healthy sex life mm. and the difference between a healthy sex life and you know something that you might see represented in the media yeah uh, which yeah. is usually you know let's face it no <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well, well exactly exactly um, um you, you know it, it, it it feels like a breath of fresh air uh, um, as you are talking on these subjects because there is such a lot of kind of you know you know re repression in um, um with within our society and 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 understanding in general terms and yet you know i i, I think but i don't know for sure that, that 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 our society despite it you know potentially being so so seemingly backward is probably one of what, what, what one of the, the the more advanced ones. Um, I'm, I'm, you, you started talking there about a, a, about a kind of underpinning philosophy. Um, you know, you're kind of leaning towards talking about some of the some of the values and some of the, the what sits underneath your business. Is there something that you consider to be quite distinct as far as a philosophy that underpins your approach? It's for me. It's about kind of validating validating the minority mm. and you know if, if you don't and we talk about this with feelings with clients don't we if you don't if you don't validate and accept them then you you have you, you know you're disassociating from them and because you're doing that it doesn't mean they're not there um right. so i guess that i the work that i do is about 
pointing out and going, this stuff exists. We're thinking about this. We're philosophizing about this. We're writing about it. You know, there's research going on. A, fr a friend of mine is doing some uh, research for their masters on menopause, queer menopause. Mm. Um, you know, and I do uh, stuff around queer POC. Um, so it it's a small area. Yeah. But it is huge. If you yeah. look at how many people, like 48% of 18 to 24-year-olds identified as anything other than heterosexual. Right, wow. Yeah. So, you know, if, if we as a profession are going, well, we don't need to know about this, then we're, we're making a big mistake. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, so, so tell me, Tell me about some of the key features of your approach. You know, tell me about about some of what it is that that, that, that you actually do. Um, 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 you know, I, I know it's a bit a bit, a bit difficult to, to be specific. Perhaps some of the some of the broad strokes about about what you do in a typical. You, you know, <laughs> I wish I hadn't said the word typical, but 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 what 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 you do within sessions, and perhaps you know what you do that is that is likely to be different. To somebody without such awareness or without such specialist knowledge um what i do that's different well we both sit with a client and we should both we should all be present with a client yeah. um yet it's the it's and i don't know whether this is my aura or whether people kind of read stuff that i've written or whatever but people come to me knowing that they can ask me anything knowing that we can explore anything within this space and a, a, an example of this actually was um, one of the support groups that I run, somebody happened to tell me that their academic tutor and their personal tutor, this is somebody at university, was the same person. Mm -hmm. And they had had some issues and they went, I, I can't go to my personal tutor and say I'm struggling because they have this conflict of interests right so as therapists if we have these kind of internal conflict of interests that we don't know about because we haven't looked at them then that's what i don't have and right. when clients come to me and it's let's think about this let's have have you thought about where where your sexuality is have you thought about how fluid it is you know, this is not this is not one of those boxes that you jump in and that's it forever. Yeah. Um, and how there is so much more than this kind of black, white, heterosexual or gay. There's a whole literally a rainbow in the middle. Yeah. And finding out and being able to explore that with somebody who can see that rainbow. That is, I feel, what my clients take from me yeah lovely yeah yeah what um 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 what do you think what do you think you know what what, what are your hopes as far as the development of this of, 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 of this area is concerned and, and and how that relates to the kind of future future direction of, of what you are doing and, and what, what what your plans are mm. well it's um in the future you know from kind of a charity chair point of view i would hope that our helpline isn't needed right yeah you know the whole point is that they're there 
that we should have kind of built in obsolescence. But we don't because these issues still exist. And to a certain extent, they're even worse. If we look at the um, political climate, for instance, yeah. not just in this country, but in in other maybe large larger countries, um, you know, you, they are. There's a lot of education and awareness that needs to take place. And if somebody has, if somebody has taken like one piece of information away from whenever I do a talk or a workshop or whatever, then actually my job's done. If somebody goes away and goes, actually, I want to think about that. I had the workshop I did yesterday. Um, I had an email from somebody going, I really want to train to be a psychotherapist. I've seen you. Can can we can you meet up with me and talk to me about the process? And it's that being able to be inspirational of others to go and find stuff out about themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, there should be there should be diversity and inclusivity throughout the whole of our training courses. We should be looking at areas about working with GSRD clients, working with uh, BAME clients and POC clients. And there kind of isn't. It's that's, you know, you do your base training and then anything you wish to do on top. Yeah. But if nearly half of the population coming to us as therapists are going to identify in areas that we may not have lived experience in, and that's totally fine. But just that little bit that, you know, when I said about the person saying, oh, I think, I've seen somebody that might be ace. Well, yeah, that could have that could have facilitated whole new conversations. Yeah. And opening the dialogue is incredibly important and extremely powerful for everyone, not just therapists, but for but for clients as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm 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 really excited that um that, that, that you're going to be coming and being one of the presenters at this year's uk hypnosis convention for example yeah. um, um but, but you, you know you're presenting you're presenting on on, on, on these topics at, you know at many many other events and so on um, um and, and you know if people want to if people want to train with you if people want to come and hear you speak um um, um how, how can they find out more um well, I'm doing quite a bit at the moment because it's mental health awareness um, yeah. stuff. So I'm doing that. And then I go into, I'm community liaison officer for Oxford Pride. So I then go into like organising stuff for that. Um, because I live in Oxford, I end up um, doing quite a bit of work with the universities. Yeah. Um, so I was at, at Wadham last week uh, talking about uh, being queer and POC um i i should she says you know do more kind of podcasts maybe videos i do writing for galdem.com which is an online magazine i do writing for diva which is a lesbian and bisexual magazine uh, i've been in cosmo i've got a facebook page yeah which i usually put i'm you know i'm i'm speaking here or, yeah. or Twitter I'm on, for instance. So people can, I, I'm, I'm around. And as my, as my son kind of gets that little bit older, I'll be around even more. Although I do joke that, you know, yeah, it's me again. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you do kind of make yourself available, and you are contactable, aren't you? You know, if, if people want, want, want to ask you questions and and want to learn more about this area, they could they can contact you direct um, um, via the website where, where and, and, and we'll have links and so on. Um, um, Zaina, it's it, it's it's been really lovely having you. Thank you so much for coming and speaking and being so generous with your with your information. Um, 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 all, all that remains for me to say is, you know, thank you, Zaina Ratti. Well, thank you very much for inviting me on. I really enjoyed that. Uh, there's a link to Zaina's website over at this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website and uh, in the episode notes at iTunes. Uh, go check her out if you're interested in any of that. And, and come to the UK Hypnosis Convention to hear her speak and watch, watch her in action. Um, On to this week's evidence-based hypnosis factoid of the week. And it is that the, the, the study data indicates that uh, uh, internal generated changes in hypnotic experience are not due to compliance. So, so this is a study uh, by Perugini and colleagues, including Irving Kirsch, back in the late 1990s, 1998. Uh, it was aiming to test the compliance uh, hypotheses of hypnosis. Um, suggestions for arm levitation and for visual, auditory, tactile and taste hallucinations were all administered twice via uh, uh, audio recordings to a group of highly suggestible students and low suggestible simulators. That is people that were simulating the, the, the effects and the responses. So during one of the administrations, um, um, participants were led to believe that they were alone. But actually, their behavior was surreptitiously being recorded on a videotape and observed on a video monitor. During the other administration, they were observed openly by an experimenter who'd not been informed about the group assignment, what it was that they were being asked to do. Now, when they were unaware that they were being observed, the simulators were significantly less responsive to suggestion and engaged in substantially more role inappropriate behaviour. And in contrast, the responsiveness of the non-simulating students um, 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 and participants in the study was not affected by the presence of an experimenter. And they exhibited little role inappropriate behaviour, even when they were on their own. And, and, and basically, this, this data indicated that the responses of the suggestible individuals reflects that the internally generated changes in experience, you know, um, um, in response to the, the hypnotic suggestions for all the hypnotic phenomena um, um, and so on, were not due to simple intentional compliance, uh, also known as faking. Um, um, cool stuff, eh? Uh, there's a link to that research paper included on the episodes page of the Hypnosis Week weekly website. Um, if you follow me on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, you can find masses of memes relating to a variety of studies whereby hypnosis has been examined. 
And that's it for this week's 114th edition. I hope you enjoyed it, found it stimulating. I've got many more exciting guests that are welcome to Hypnosis Weekly in coming editions. We'll be discussing, debating, celebrating, and above all, remaining friends. Our next episode, I'll be welcoming Tim Box. Uh, we talk about some of the labelling of mental health issues that, 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 that he takes issue with and is taking a stand against, uh, much more besides. Uh, all the references made in the discussion along with related links are posted at each episode on the uh, Hypnosis Weekly website uh, www.hypnosis-weekly.com I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions and questions so do please message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website I'll make sure that they get addressed, answered and explored accordingly Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else to really help us reach the hypnosis field. And my thanks again go to this week's guest, Zaina Ratti. And thanks to you for tuning in. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.